Kids, Miss Jarvis is over there to uh, take you out to children's worship. You can head on out over there. So we're going to look uh, this morning at Psalm 148. That text is in the bulletin, also up on the screens behind me. Before I read uh, Psalm uh, 148, let me uh, lead us in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we are coming to you today reading the psalm, thinking about the fact that uh, you are our creator um, and the great freedom uh, that comes to us in that, uh, that that's where our identity starts. Uh, that's where uh, how we should uh, think about ourselves begins. And we don't belong to ourselves. We belong to you because you made us and redeemed us. I pray for us today, Lord, because many of us are caught, uh, bound up uh, in the worship and uh, the chains of created things. And so I pray that you would set us free today in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Psalm 148, the text is in the bulletin and also up on the screens behind me. This is the word of God. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights, praise him all his angels, praise him all his hosts, praise him sun and moon, praise him all you shining stars, praise him you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created and he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist. Stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above uh, earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. So uh, I'm not a big believer in um, New Year's resolutions, but for the last four or five years, I have resolved uh, at the beginning of each year to do two things, um, to speak less uh, and listen more. And that's uh, miserable failure on that. And then um, the other one is, is to spend more time outside. Been a little better at that. Uh, to, uh, to facilitate us spending more time outside, uh, we put a screened-in back porch on our house. Now, maybe that's not being outside, but, you know, it's, it's enough. So uh, last, last Friday, we were on the back porch, and um, my daughter-in-law and my son and my grandson were there, and we were relaxing, having a good time. And my granddaughter begins to scream because there's a... Uh, five or six foot long black snake crawling along the side of our house coming up underneath our uh, deck. And she's like, are you going to do something about that? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pray for him. Uh, he is our friend. Um, and like on cue, uh, on the other side of the house, another black snake crawls around 
to join the first one underneath the porch. And I'm like, this is even better. Pretty soon we're going to have babies. And, uh, um, and she's like stunned. She's like, they're snakes. What are you going to do about it? I'm like, well, they are snakes. And uh, black snakes are like the 1% of cats in the world that are actually functional. <laughs> and and uh, she she said, "Wait, what? What are you talking about? I've never heard anything like that before." And I'm like, "Well, you, you know, you know, you, you're around me. You're going to hear things you've never heard before." But um, yeah, you you know, you have cats to take care of pests. Well, uh, black snakes take care of pests, and that big one right there has recently taken care of a pest. And she said, how can you tell? I'm like, because he's about that big around in one spot in the middle of him. <laughs> Looks like a chipmunk to me. <laughs> and so uh, she's like, I, I don't have any category to think about any of this. And I'm like, well, let me give you some. Okay, here's the categories. The category is, you know, this snake is doing what it's supposed to do. And though you may think that's very cruel for the uh, the chipmunks, we are actually assisting the chipmunks as well. And she said, how can that be? Well, we're weeding out the weak ones and enhancing the gene pool so that the remaining chipmunks in the yard are going to be Super chipmunks, right? They're going to be, you know, the genetically superior ones. And so we'll have a super race of chipmunks in our backyard if they can escape the black snakes, right? So, so I tell you that because I think part, part of our problem as people uh, in 2019, I think most of us spend an awful lot of our time actually in conflict with the creation. That we're actually, many of us, spend a lot of our time and energy not just trying to steward the creation or, or use it to its best uh, uh, or, or to protect it or anything like that. For many of us, we're actually in conflict with it, right? And that the creation in some ways seems to us like a difficult thing, like a, almost, almost like an enemy, right? It's something that has to be conquered or whatever. Well, the, the, the way the Bible looks at creation is not like that at all, right? Now, Here's here's the problem with this text. You know, you read it and it seems super repetitive and it talks about God making things and 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 that kind of stuff. But the and so you're probably your you know, your eyes are about to roll back in your head and you're going to think, oh, gee, he's going to tell us that, you know, God made all this stuff and it's great and it's wonderful. And I am going to tell you that. But the 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 truth of the matter is uh, this is such a key thing for us. And the fact of the matter is for many of us today. The fact that we don't have much joy, the fact that we feel chained in bondage to certain things is because we've forgotten the freedom that comes from understanding that I'm a creature and I have a creator and the joy that's found in that. And not only the joy that's found in the fact that I have a creator and that I am his creature, but that he loves me enough to become like me, to redeem me, right? 
So as we look at this this morning, I hope, hope you can bear with me and, and think a little bit more deeply about this because I think this, though, this is a foundational thing, you know, the, the children's catechism begins with the first question, right? Who made you? God. What else did God make? God made all things, right? I mean, those are such basic things, but those found, without that foundation of understanding what this Bible tells us, uh, we're at sea, right? And so, Let's look this morning at what Psalm 148 uh, has to say to us and then draw some conclusions like that. So Psalm 148 begins with a call to worship God, the creator of the heavens, and then it works itself down. Right. And so there's there's a there's a comprehensiveness in the way in which uh, the psalm writer talks about this. He says, you know, let angels worship him, hosts, all the other spiritual beings, the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth. The sea and all that is in it, right? The weather, mountains, trees, beasts, livestock, creepers, birds, kings, princes, rulers, and the young and the old. And so what, what the psalmist is doing here is as he writes this psalm, he looks out over all of creation, he looks at all the things that God has made, and he sees in those things their purpose, and their purpose is to reflect back to the one that made them. They are to show, demonstrate, and point to not just themselves, even though they're beautiful, they're stunning, the study of, of, of all that God has made is one of the, is, is a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's part of the reason why God made it. But the fact of the matter is, all of these things exist so that they can point us to something else. You exist so that you can point to something else. Right. And so so that's the that's the great thing about this. And so as we look across the scope and the uh, uh, the the landscape and all of these things that we see, they're there and they reflect something back to us about the one who made them. Now, I'm not going to get into a discussion uh, this morning about how long it took or any of those kinds of things. Suffice it to say that what the psalm writer here wants us to understand is the world is wonderful, the universe is wonderful, and it is wonderful because it is beautiful, it is stunning, and we are created in a way so that we can appreciate that beauty and the, and the fact that it is stunning. And, and, and the thing that makes it even more wonderful is it points out to us who made it, right? That's so important for us uh, to, to lay... Uh, you know, to get to get a sense of because the fact that our God creates with special care, special love, uh, and that he places man here as the very pinnacle, kings, princes, rulers, the young and the old men, women, boys and girls, as at the pinnacle of his creation should tell us something about ourselves that we are we are we are the the, the in, in some ways creation is not just. Just for God, it's certainly for his glory, but it's also for us as well, right? And so we belong to that. We are a part of that. But we also are kind of uh, uh, the the beneficiaries of everything that God uh, has made. So here's the thing, right? So the very foundation of our faith is found in these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? 
We, that's such a basic thing and such a thing that we, we tend uh, to forget about. But the fact is, without an understanding of the fact that God made the world, that sin has come in and wrecked uh, God's image bearers and has done damage to the way in which the world was created to function, because of the, if we don't start there, then the coming of Jesus Christ into the world, taking on flesh, living our life, dying again, dying for us, rising again, coming back to rule and to reestablish the the beautiful created order that was there to to begin with. If we if we don't start with the fact that it's God's world, that He made it, that it belongs to Him, and that He has special care and love and attention towards it then the gospel is just kind of this thing floating around out here, not tethered to any kind of, uh, uh, well, real reality, right? So the foundation of our faith is found in these words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, next slide, Brian. So even in the Apostles' Creed, right, we begin by saying, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, right? And so that is, that is a, that's, that, that's such a foundational thing, but it's not just a foundational thing in the fact that you got to get that fact right. That is a wonderful truth that sets me free, right? And it sets me free in the sense that I uh, uh, recognize that I have a place, that I have an identity, that I have a creator, that I have someone who knows me, who made me, who understands what makes me tick, and, is, and that he is particularly disposed to care for me and, and to love me, right? And so what this means then is, is that everything in the universe that is not God is a created thing. Now, there's two, there are two important things that, that flow out of that for us, right? If everything in the world that is not God is a created thing, that should wow you. That should be stunning. That should be like, that is such an awesome thing to think about. It's a wonderful thing. And think about all these things that, that, that exist in and around us that God made to reflect to us, to, to reveal to us his power, his grace, his love, his care for us, all of those things, right? And that is, that is a profound thing. And not only that, but you are made with eyes and ears and a nose. You, you can smell meat on a grill. You can smell the honeysuckles as they're blooming. You can see the colors as they come to life. You can hear the birds now at 4.30 in the morning when they're, uh, when they're waking up because the sun comes up so early that God made you in a way to have a special appreciation for all that he made. And it is wonderful. But there's also the flip side of that. Everything in the world that is not God is just a created thing. We get into trouble when we take the beauty, the wonder, the, the, the wonderful things that God made and we turn them into something else. We begin to worship them. We begin to give our hearts to them. We begin to give our affections to them. And, and they become the, the, the kind of the predominant thing that we identify ourselves with in our lives. One of, the, one of the things I've had to repent of is a day will come, and this will happen to all of us, uh, where you will no longer be able to do the job that you do now. You know, we're all only temporarily able-bodied, and I would add to that, in our right minds. <laughs> so, so a day will come when both of those things will no longer be true of us, right? Right? And you won't be able to do what you do. Well, I think about that. And I, I think about, well, what's my life going to be like when I don't do this anymore? And one of the things that I've had to repent of is, one of the, one of the things I've realized is, you know, 
uh, people, believe it or not, people listen to me. When my family comes to worship here, they're like, do they know you? What? What? Those people are actually sitting there hanging on what you're saying. What is wrong with them? Right. So so the so the, the, the fact is, one of the things I think about is when I'm not doing this anymore, when I'm not Pastor Steve, nobody's going to care about what I say. Nobody's going to be interested in what I have to say. So so it's not going to be like, you know, retirement feels to me like oblivion, like invisibility. It feels like, you know, I'm just going to go away and, you know, I just I'll just be invisible. Now, some days that feels like heaven. But uh, but but other days I think I'm really going to miss that. Right. Well, that's worshiping a created thing. That's taking something that's beautiful. It is a great thing to recognize. Gee, the Lord has given me some authority and, 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 and people, you know, recognize that and they want to hear what the Lord has to say through me. That's a great thing. But then I just, I distort it by saying, you know what? I, I, I love that so much. I want to hold on to that because that matters. That, that's a lot of who I am. No, it's, it, it is a blessing, but it's not who I am. It's a created thing, right? It's it's not central to to my identity. My what's central to my identity is that I am created in the image of God and that I've been redeemed by Jesus Christ. And everything else is simply, uh, you know, what the the created stuff that God has 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 given to me. Right. So so everything in the universe that is not God is a created thing. And we need to recognize that. Right. And not get confused. All of this creation was done by his word. The Bible tells us that he commanded and they were created, right? And and this is the thing that is so so uh, profound about this is, you know, that God addresses his command basically to nothingness and it obeys. Stunning, right? I've been addressed. If you're a parent uh, or you're a boss or whatever, you you may address your command to uh, things that are. Not nothing, there's something, and they don't obey. But when God speaks, nothing obeys. Let there be light, there was light. God separated the light from the darkness, right? So so even God makes the lights out of nothing. He says it, and there's light. And the light is his, the darkness is his, it's all his, right? So, so, the, so the fact is, and we even sang this earlier in the service, right? He speaks and listening to his voice, new life the dead receive. Do you understand how crazy that is? Dead people, dead things hear the voice of God and suddenly come to life, right? So there's something powerful and something profound about the very voice of God that calls that which is nothing into being, right? And so that that tells us something about his power, about his grace, about uh, about the, the work uh, 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 that when we say that God is our creator, that, that, that should tell us something profound about him, right? Next slide. Um, so not only does the Bible tell us that God created, 
by his word. He upholds it by his word. The very fact that the sun comes up and that the moon shines and that the stars shine, that there's breath uh, in your body, that there's air to breathe, that there's seasons, that these things are happening. The very fact that those things are happening at all is because God is upholding it, right? Uh, the writer of Hebrews says this of Jesus Christ. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. The reason why uh, Jupiter circles the sun is because Jesus upholds it. The reason why you are living today is because Jesus says live. Right? That's a pretty, that's, that's, that is a, to me, that is, that, that's such a wonderful and reassuring thing because it seems to me, I'm tempted to believe so often that this universe is just a random thing where just wildly, Bad things happen for no rhyme or reason. And, you know, we're just one accident away from from disaster, right? That there's no rhyme or reason. And worse, worse than that, maybe it's not rhyme or reason, but there's no person, no mind, no heart, no love, no grace uh, behind the things that happen in our world. But if we believe that God is upholding it by the word of his power, then that means all the things that happen happen not just for a reason that's that's such a such a platitude they happen because god is doing something working something upholding the universe and moving it towards the end where all things are made right once and for all right um and this is a this is a pretty profound thing that god not only created the world but he upholds it he stays interested in it my boys uh when they were in another life uh were uh, quite uh, accomplished and uh, uh, potters. They made pots. I mean, they made plates, big pots, little pots. We our house is full of them, right? And uh, uh, even though you know one's one's in the army and one is in insurance, uh, they they're still very interested in in pottery. So their little sister brought this um, uh, I don't know pitcher home. And uh, I was looking at it, and so I held it up to them yesterday, and I said, you know, what do you think? Well, they can look at that and appreciate how it was made, what the glaze was, was it, did it come from a mold, was it thrown on a wheel, you know, all, all of that kind of stuff. Because they're very interested in that and engaged and involved in, 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 that, in, in what's been made. Well, that's what, the way God is. God is intimately and carefully involved. There are no random molecules in the universe, right? And so we take great comfort uh, in that. So there are three things that I want you to, 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 to take away from what this psalm tells us today. And that's the first one is this, that uh, God owns everything and everyone. I am not my own, but belong body and soul, Right? To someone else. And there's freedom in that because I am not left alone to try to determine my destiny or to try to determine who I am. God has, has, has already done that by creating me in his image. And if that's true, if that's true, if God owns everything and everyone, then listen, there, every single person matters. The guy who cut you off in traffic, 
matters. Matters to God. God made him. He's an image bearer of God. The person that irritates the daylights out of you, the the person that, that shouts at you, the bully at school matters to God. Um, a few weeks ago, a few months ago now, uh, there was a, a crazed guy who uh, went into a mosque <clears throat> and killed uh, a number of uh, worshipers in that mosque in New Zealand. And the, uh, the uh, many Christians in New Zealand came out, and rightly so, and said, you know, we, we stand against this and uh, we love uh, uh, these uh, the, the 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 Muslim folks who are here amongst us, and they're part of our community, and they belong to us, and we belong to them. And that's a good thing. But you know what else is true? It's hard to believe that the image of God can be so warped in another person that they would go and do something like that. But the shooter matters. He matters to God. He's created in his image, too. And one of the ways that we know that the, the way this issue of the, the, the it's one thing for us to kind of glibly say all human beings are created in the image of God. But I will tell you that the, the way that really begins to come to fruition uh, in the way in which we think about things is uh, do, you, do you love your enemies? Certainly Jesus did that for us, right? But, but the, the source of us loving our enemies comes first and foremost from the fact that we are together in this, that we're both created in the image of God and we're both flawed. Right? That doesn't mean when I say, you know, that you love somebody who's so warped that they do something like that, that you, you know, you don't hold them accountable. But the truth is every human being the worst and the best created in the image of God and they matter. The richest, the poorest, the oldest, the youngest, right? Secondly, everything exists for God and his glory. And that is, that is a, that's, that's, that's one of the most freeing things that we can ever come at because the, the fact is, you know, sometimes we think, you know, sometimes you're, you feel the burden that you think you exist for yourself that's a hellish place to live. But the other thing is, sometimes we get even more confused and we think we exist for someone else, from another human being, for another image bearer, right? And, and that's, that's an, its own kind of hellish prison, right? So, so the fact is, if everything exists for God and His glory, that is a great place for us to live. And I, I want to draw your attention to the uh, quote at the beginning of the bulletin from Jonathan Edwards. And if you can get past a little bit of the archaic language, I mean, this is one of the richest paragraphs probably ever written in the English language, right? He says, the creation of the world seems to have been especially for this end. This was the purpose, right? That he thinks as he's musing about this, why did God make the world? 
that the eternal son of God, that's Jesus Christ, might obtain a spouse, that's us, might might have a church, might have his bride, towards whom, towards that spouse, he might fully exercise the infinite benevolence of his nature. In other words, that he might uh, pour out, be, be, uh, uh, he loves this so much and that he has this unconditional, unending love of his nature to whom he might, as it were, open and pour forth all that immense fountain of love and grace that was in his heart and that in this way God might be glorified. So what, what Edwards is saying is God made the world so that Jesus would love you and would, would, would live, die and rise again for you so that, so that God would get glory in the fact that, uh, you are loved by him, right? That that's, that's the end of, of, of creation. There's great freedom in that, because if that's the way it is, I don't have to find my way in the world. I need to work hard. I need to do the things that God's called me to do. But there's a God behind that who I belong to. There's a God behind that who who gives me a reason to be. And I am set free from having to exist for my glory. Thirdly. But the pinnacle of our relationship with God is not that we're created and belong, just belong to him, but his redeeming love. And Psalm 148 gets that uh, for us here, right? He says, he raised up a horn for his people, praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. And you might be thinking, what does it mean that he raised up a horn, right? Does that he held up a trumpet or a trombone or something like that? No, a horn uh, in this culture was a weapon of war. And that what the, the psalm writer is saying here is that God has done this thing. He's made this world and he has entered into it and he has fought off our enemies and undone them so that, so that, as he says here, so that we can be near to him. Right. Luke picks this up in Zechariah's song in the first chapter of Luke, where he says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in, in the house of his servant, David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. God made you and God redeemed you, not just to make you a better you. God made you and redeemed you just not so that you'll have a comfortable life. God made you and redeemed you so that you can know him and that he will know you so that he'll be near to you so that he'll be close to you so that he'll be with you. (coughs) He that has been the whole driving force of his work in the universe since he made us. Remember when he came down into the garden and he would walk and talk to Adam and Eve? Well, the last words of the Bible is that the dwelling place of God is with his people. That's the point. God made you so that he could know you. God made you so that you could know him, so that you could be in relationship. And that's why Jesus Christ died for you is to secure that place so that you could be, as Psalm 148 says, near him, close to him, in him and with him. The day came 
Then came the day of the unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And I assign to you, as my father assigned to me, a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. Have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Believer, hear these words of encouragement. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So the scriptures tell us on the night in which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and he broke it just as I do now ministering in his name and he gave it to his disciples. You were created not just to work, not just to live, not just to be a producer or a consumer, but you were created to be in fellowship with the living God. You were redeemed to secure that fellowship with the living God. He made you. He loves you. You belong to him. I am not my own, but belong body and soul to my faithful Savior and Creator, Jesus Christ. Seems like I belong to a million different other things. Sometimes I give my life and my heart to so much, so many other things, the opinions of others. 
And so today, as I come to the table, it is a refreshment for me to be reminded that uh, the one who made me and the one who redeemed me set the table, beckons me to come, and he wants to remind me and nourish me and encourage me today with the fact that I am free from myself. And I'm free from that bondage to belong to him. You probably have a weak grasp on that at times, maybe even this morning. But the fact is that doesn't matter nearly as much as the fact that you recognize that your creator and your redeemer has a strong grasp on you. If you've come to that place where this is your hope, that the one who made you loved you enough to redeem you, you proclaim that to a body of believers somewhere, he sets the table for you today and says, you know, come home, eat, be renewed, rest in the joy of your creator and your redeemer. Today we're going to have a great opportunity uh, to uh, give God glory. As you saw earlier in the service, uh, Luke Farkas and Seth Whitman uh, were uh, able to profess uh, their faith. And so as the elders and deacons come down front uh, to assist me this morning, uh, the Farkas family and the Whitman family will lead us all uh, in taking the Lord's Supper. There's wine in the outer ring, uh, grape juice in the inner rings, and all the bread is bread that is gluten-free.